Are you ready to take your writing to the next level? Then welcome to the Book Editor Show. Join Clark Chamberlain and Peter Turley each week as they teach you all the tips, tools, and techniques you need to move your book from manuscript to market. Visit thebookeditorshow.com for show notes, links to guests, books, and extras to make your old novel better than ever. Now, please welcome Clark Chamberlain and Peter Turley. Hey, welcome to the Book Editor Show. I am Clark Chamberlain, and this is a show that helps you build a better book. Uh, my co-host today, uh, Peter Turley, is not with me today. Uh, he won't be on the show, unfortunately. Uh, he is ill, and uh, I wish him a full speedy recovery so that he can get back to us. But um, lucky for us, I do have uh, someone joining me today as we will be talking about building mystery and tension. And uh, I have with me uh, Tristy Pinkston. And I want to just uh, give a little introduction to her. Uh, she's the owner of Trifecta Books, a new publishing company featuring clean, young adult fiction and sweet romance titles. And she also works full-time as a freelance editor. She sits on the board of directors for iWrite Network and presents at writers' conferences up and down the Wasatch Front. You can learn more about her at tristypinkston.com. She is currently looking for new authors for Trifecta as well as new editing clients. So be sure to swing by and... Check out her site if you're interested. Um, Tristy, how are you doing today? And it's not unmuting you. Hold on a second. Ah, <laughs> uh, oh brother! It just gave me the option. There you to go. Did it work? <laughs> yeah, now we're working. So. <laughs> so. <laughs> So we didn't hear that. How are you doing today, Tristy? <laughs> I am great. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. Did the uh, the holidays uh, treat you okay? They did. They did indeed. Excellent. So um, before we dive into the the topic today, um, tell me just a little bit more about Trifecta Books. Like, where did you come up with uh, with the idea? I mean, you've certainly have, have narrowed in on a very uh, great niche. Um, tell me about that. I started Trifecta because I was getting a little bit concerned about the content that I was seeing in a lot of the young adult books that are out there right now. I have an 18-year-old daughter who's very cautious about the kinds of things that she likes to read, and she was having a hard time going to the bookstore or to the library and finding something that fit what she was looking for. And I'd had the idea for several years to have a publishing company, and I thought, well, you know, they say if you can't find the kinds of books you want to read, you should write them. And I thought, well, why don't I publish them? So I put out the call and I found some great authors to work with. And we got up and going in September of last year. So we've been going for about 14 months now. And I'm having a lot of fun with that. All of our stories are clean. They do have adventure. They do have some romantic elements, etc. They just don't have anything that might cause someone to raise an eyebrow or or um, go a little too far down that path. So my basic goal is that I won't ever publish anything that my daughter wouldn't want to read. Mm -hmm. So that's the barometer that I've gone with. And then well, we've also recently started a line of sweet romance because it's becoming harder and harder to find romances that stay within those boundaries as well. And so we got that started this last August. And so those are the two focuses that we've undertaken. We're having a good time. Well, that's excellent. No, it's really cool that uh, you can do that. You know, because there are, for every reader, uh, there's a certain type of book. And so it's really good yeah. that you're uh, you're reaching out to those readers. Absolutely. So, 
Um, so I'm, I'm really glad to have you here on the show with me today, though. Um, uh, you have over a decade, correct, worth of editing experience. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's really great because I, you know, um, I've been doing uh, writing for a number of years now, but uh, but one thing I've found is you know on that writing team is having a good editor who understands your work, understands what you're trying to do. I mean, that's just so invaluable to mm -hmm. an author. So. Um, so that's what you know. That's what this show is all about: uh, trying to help authors create, um, building a better book uh, through editing. And uh, so today, I wanted to bring you in to get some expertise because um, we know that it's important to be able to engage um, our readers. And one of the ways that you can do this is through things like mystery and mm -hmm. tension. Um, yeah, that's what we want to talk about. Um, so you know, the elements of, of mystery. Now, first of all, a mystery can be everywhere, right? I mean, oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. No matter what kind of book you're writing, there have to be elements of mystery in there. I mean, even if you're writing a romance and, you know, there's no dead body anywhere, there's still the mystery of will they or won't they end up together? Um, you know, what is keeping them from being together? What is her secret that's keeping her from being willing to fall in love? And without some kind of mystery in your story, without something to figure out, it's going to be a little bit flat. So be thinking about mysterious elements regardless of what you're writing. It doesn't always have to be a whodunit, but there should be a question to be answered along the way. Exactly, because that really does pull a reader in. It makes them keep turning mm -hmm. that page. You know, yeah. I mean, they, want to, they want to find out. They want to find out what's happening next. Exactly. Um, so, so one of the things uh, I wanted to talk about, you know, is it, so you're an editor, you've got the book, and you're going to take a look through it. Um, when, of course, we're talking about, you know, at the editing stage um, mm -hmm. and examining the work as a whole. Um, tell me, what would you do if, if some, you know, if we're looking for these things, if we're looking for mystery elements, what would you choose to hide? You know, what, what are those types of story uh, points that you would want to, to hide uh, throughout that story to make the person keep reading and turning that page? Well, the first thing you'd want to do is really look at the author's purpose for writing the book. Sometimes they'll want to hide things until the very, very end. Sometimes they'll want to drop little seeds along the way, like breadcrumbs. Sometimes they'll want to tell the reader everything right up front, but then reveal it to the other characters later. Mm -hmm. um, so you really need to take a look at what is their purpose? What is their their overreaching goal for the book? You want to also take a look at you know, your point of view. If you're writing in first person, it's harder to keep things a secret because you're in the main character's head. It's easier to hide things if you're in third person because then the reader doesn't have to know everything that the character is thinking and feeling. Um, for for other genres that aren't necessarily mystery, you might hold back, for instance, a romance. I'll go back to using this as an example. Um, let's say one or the other of the characters is having a hard time falling in love. And you may um, choose to tell the reader that later in the book as to, you know, did they have a failed relationship in the past? Um, they may tell the reader what's going on through your backstory or through thought and then not tell their love interest until the very end. Um, but you'll want to take a look at the story individually and think about the genre for each 
each case. So there's not really a blanket. No, absolutely, there, there's not. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> you know, because if there was a, if there were just a, a plug and play on <laughs> on books, yeah. it would be a lot easier. Yeah, you um, have to take it case by case. So. Um, Absolutely. Um, one of the things that I see uh, when I get submissions um, for publishing is uh, revealing information too quickly, like throwing backstory at the at the reader. Because you know, as a writer, um, you, you have this amazing backstory, and you're interested in sharing it. You know, you mm -hmm. want to put that all on the page. But um, but I found you know that that really limits what you then can do later. You know, with mm -hmm. with, with digging into tension, if the if the reader knows everything. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So, and uh, it's a lot of fun, you know, being able to go through it, though. Um, you know, you've got that initial stage when you first write it, and uh, it's fun to explore things. But then when you get to go back and really build it and put it together the right way that uh, it will pull the best reader interaction. And, um, mm. you know, one of those things I really think it is is that it's those payoff moments, like you were talking about earlier, you know, is um, you know, the willy won't she. And mm -hmm. if if you've got these moments that you're putting in there, is the reader going to have that aha moment, you know, where they feel like they've discovered something or just a question mark of aha, uh -huh, like, you know, what, what just happened? You know, not, you know, is it a Scooby-Doo ending, you know, like, <laughs> it's old exactly. man Mr. Wilkins, so. Yeah, you need to make sure that you as the writer know the backstory, and then you can seed it in along the way, uh, plant it as it's needed, and you really want to avoid those those info dumps like you were talking about. If you're going on for four pages and it's nothing but backstory, you need to seriously analyze that because the reader wants to come in in a moment that's actually happening. They want to be in real time. And then as they move forward, they want to be able to understand what's happening. They want to be able to get into the character's motivation. And if they can't understand why the character is doing something, it's going to create those question marks that you just mentioned. And then at the end, they should be able to go back and say, oh, that's why this thing or that thing happened, or oh, that's what we were building up to. If they get to the end and they can't see the path that you laid for them, then they're going to have those question marks. And so be sure that you're planting enough to lead them along, but not so little that they're completely confused. Um, my first book, um, I had an illegitimate child be born in the book, and it was crucial to the plot, but I didn't want to spend a lot of time on the bed scene, you know. Mm -hmm. And I actually had a couple of readers contact me and say, uh, where did this baby come from? <laughs> well, like, oh. you know, when a man and a woman love each other very much. <laughs> well, apparently I've been a little too vague, you know. But, <laughs> yeah. yeah, so make sure they understand, you know, what's going on. But, uh, but they should be able to link it all together at the very end. Oh, absolutely. And, and that's especially true if you're writing a mystery. Especially true. But with any genre, they should be able to have seen the progression, even if it wasn't immediately obvious at the time. Mm -hmm. um, so, so let's take a look at that. You know, you're laying out a mystery, mm -hmm. um, and you've got certain things like clues. You know, that that are along the way. Mm -hmm. um, should uh, how could a writer? Um, do this. You know, how is it? Is it? You know, what are some suggestions? Do a spreadsheet so that they can find the things. You know, to make sure that they're hitting all the points. Checklist. A lot of it. 
Well, okay, I've written a lot of cozy mysteries. Mm -hmm. So this is something that's kind of right up my alley. And with a cozy, which is, for anybody who's not familiar with the term, there's less blood and guts um, that's more character-focused. It's more about the people who are solving the mystery than anything. And what I typically do is I'll sit down and I'll write from beginning to end, and I'll go in and I'll throw in red herrings, you know, those things that are meant to distract the reader and pull them off the real trail. And then I get to the end, and then I'll stop and I'll go, okay, did I weave in enough of those things? And that generally requires a little bit of rewriting to go in and make sure that I really did lay the trail and then that I really did throw in enough of those red herrings so that it wasn't blatantly obvious the whole time. Yeah, because you, <clears throat> yeah, you definitely so want to keep people... Keep people guessing. Absolutely. You want to make it so that they know who it is on page mm -hmm. ten. And you know, sometimes they will, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. The enjoyment should come in watching the detective solve the mystery, and if the reader figures it out early on, no, that's not ideal. But it's not the end of the world. Mm -hmm. If they can still enjoy watching the characters interact with each other, if they can still enjoy watching the detective ferret out the bad guy, then it's still a good read. But as you plant those clues, you want to write them in a little bit subtly um, so that they aren't, you know, screaming. I mean, obviously, if there's a gun on the floor, yeah, that's kind of a blatant <laughs> clue. But uh, yeah. no way to be subtle about a gun. There may or may not have been a gun. I'm not sure. But, uh, you know, you can weave in, like, if there was a dispute between two of the characters and it may have led to a motive for murder, you can be a little bit more subtle about that or um, things like that. Just just the littlest clues that will build. Yeah. But at no point, at no point should they get to the end and go, well, I never saw that coming at all. And occasionally I've done that and I've had to go back and make it just a little bit more obvious. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because, you know, we do like to have a twist. I mean, twists are great. Mm -hmm know that really surprise people but if you look back and it doesn't make sense mm -hmm. then the story's not ringing true yeah and yeah and the reader may think let me back up the author may think that they've created this fantastic cool story but if the reader doesn't get it the author needs to rethink it because yes it's in our heads the way we want it and we can see the whole thing and it makes perfect sense to us but unless I can take a USB drive and plug it in my head and download it and stick it in your head, it's not going to work. You have to be able to tell from what I've written how you should be seeing it in your head. And if you can't see it, then I haven't done my job. Absolutely. You know, and that's that's really one of the things that the the biggest strength of having an editor, you know, because you as an author have written the story, you've read the story so many times and your mind is correcting or mm -hmm. is just skipping over things entirely because you thought it was there. And so mm -hmm. having that different set of eyes, you know, someone that can really, uh, but also understand what it is that you're trying to create. You know, exactly. Not just a beta reader, but someone who can really understand what it is you're trying to create and weave the situation and tell that story. You know, that's, a, mm -hmm. that's the strength of having a good editor. Yeah, a lot of the comments I make as an editor revolve around what? <laughs> I'll say, I don't know what you're trying to tell me here. <laughs> yeah, and then I know. they can have a dialogue where they say, oh, well, what I meant to convey was da-da-da-da-da, and then I can reply, okay, well, let's phrase it 
this way and then I'll know what you're trying to tell me because otherwise I don't know where we're going. <laughs> and it gives the author the opportunity to see it like a potential reader would and to understand where the confusion would come in. Yeah, absolutely, which is just perfect. Um, I want to talk a little bit more about uh, you know this idea of questions. Uh, you know, <laughs> the ministry is coming forward and um, so I, a lot of times I talk about uh, television because there's really great writing in television as well as mm -hmm. books. Um, but uh, the the show Lost, I mean, they it was all mystery the entire way through. You know, there's always a question. Question gets answered. There's two more questions asked. Mm -hmm. But by the end of it, they had not wrapped everything up. <laughs> and so, <laughs> when is it okay? Uh, you know, to to leave some unanswered questions, and uh, I know that there's this term called the what is it, the MacGuffin, um, that uh, that something is driving this plot forward, but it's never really explained why it needs to happen, you know, or, or what it is that they're going for, and it, it, can something like that still work, or or is it at today's age with our readers, do we want to be closing up all of our questions? That we've oh, again, asked? again, this will come back to what you're writing, in the genre of literary fiction it is okay to leave some questions unanswered. In that genre, the goal is to engage the reader in such a way that they're creating part of the story in their own heads. And they will come up with some of the conclusions on their own. I've read several literary fiction works where bits and pieces were left unresolved. And to be honest, it drove me nuts because <laughs> <laughs> I like to know what happened. And so in other kinds of genre writing, it's better if you wrap up those ends. You can keep a, a thread going through several books in a series, for instance. Mm -hmm. um, with the cozy mysteries that I've written in the first, the first series of those is called The Secret Sisters Mysteries. And each book had its own separate mystery that was tied up by the end of that book. But then there were some overarching plot threads that went through the whole series. And so none of those threads got tied up in books two or three or four, but they were all resolved by book five. Mm -hmm. And if you can do that in your other genre writing, that really is the best because the reason your reader will keep reading you is to see how you tie up the loose ends. And if they get to the end and you haven't resolved them, it's, they're going to feel like they've missed out on the last six bites of a really good meal. They'll be... <laughs> sort of satisfied but they'll still be a little bit hungry and they'll leave the table kind of grumpy and you don't want that because you want them to go with you to your next project. Mm -hmm. You want to get your name on their mouths to tell their friends, you know, hey I just read this really awesome book and you don't want them saying it was so good except for they yeah. didn't answer the question of, you know, the whatever. And so I really, yeah, again, you look at what you're writing, but for most genres, you're going to want to tie up those loose threads at least at the end of the series, if not at the end of the book. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, and that's, uh, um, it certainly is, you know, it's, it's, it's frustrating for a reader, like you're saying, you know, to come to an end and not be able to know for sure. Or, mm -hmm. but like you also said with literary fiction, like my wife, she loves to read books like that, that, uh, that opens up a dialogue with other people who have read the book, you know, so they can mm -hmm. kind of fight back and forth on what the, <laughs> what the meaning was. <laughs> yeah, those books do great in book clubs because you can mm -hmm. sit around and decide for yourselves what this meant or how it was resolved. And... <laughs> It, it really does open up those dialogues, like you say, but it for a lot of us, it's it's just frustrating. 
Well, yeah, exactly, because you know it's who your audience is. You know, if your audience is a single consumer of entertainment, you know that's a completely different thing than if it's a if it's a, a critical thinking. You know, exactly. That, yeah. Knowing your so, target audience is so crucial. Exactly. Knowing where you're going. Mm -hmm. And how to get there. So, um, and that's what I think you know really good editing also does. You know, is it helps you put all this together. You know, you've created a story. You come back to it, and you polish it, you're, you're focusing on it, you're making sure that you're hitting the high points, you're removing the stuff that's going to drag people down with it, and then mm -hmm. you know, coming up with a book that really engages people. Exactly. So, uh, kind of shifting gears now, you know, we've talked a lot about uh, the idea of mystery. I want to move over into tension. And something you mentioned earlier, you know, that uh, even if someone in mystery, you know, if someone has figured out the mystery before they get to the end, but yet they can still watch a character. Um, mm -hmm. I, that was one of the things with uh, with tension. I was thinking about, you know, it's a, it's that fun things that we know something you don't know. You know that <laughs> you're gonna, you know, the characters walking into something that could be really terrible, and you know that, you know, you know the killer's in the house. You know that this is gonna happen. You know that this yeah. is a possibility. Um, and so that's one form that you could do with tension in that particular way. But it's a limited perspective for sure. You couldn't mm -hmm. do that. With uh, with a first person, um, what are some other ways that you like to increase that tension throughout a story? Well, just like I was saying at the beginning with mystery, how there's an element of mystery in every book, there should also be an element of tension, and that comes from multiple sources. You've got your internal and your external tension. Um, this is tied into conflict. Your tension will arise from conflict. Um, if you're writing a romance, you're going to have the tension again of the will they, won't they. You'll have the romantic tension of you know the chemistry that's building and maybe they can't stand each other, etc. You'll have the tension of trials that they have to overcome in order to make that relationship work. You'll have the tension of you know job stress, uh, peer pressure, and that's just in a basic, simple straight romance. You've got a lot of tension in there. Um, the example that you gave a minute ago of going into the house and everybody's all, don't open the closet door! <laughs> you know, that's <laughs> that's more of your suspense, your, your horror writing. Mm -hmm. Obviously that is an external source of tension. You know, the guy coming at you with the knife. That's a little bit of tension right there. Um, <laughs> I'd be a little tense in that moment, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> but <laughs> then also you've got tension caused by, you know, what if you just found out that you have cancer and you're going in for your treatment and you don't know if it's going to work or not. So you've got the entire gamut of every kind of emotional tension all the way up to physical tension, and you're going to have a combination of those depending on whatever you're writing. Um, if you're writing a western and your, let's say your cattle have just started a stampede and you're a cowboy and you've got to go save those cows, you've also got physical tension because you've got to get out there and get the cows plus the emotional tension of, you know, saving your job. And so it's a balance in everything that you that you do. You're going to have the combination of the two. What you want to do is write it in such a way that the reader is getting, excuse me, <coughs> a little frog in my throat there, the reader is getting the appropriate balance. Mm -hmm. Obviously, um, you can't have a 100% action scene without also throwing in 
that he was nervous or he was freaked out or he was whatever. And I would say that that's probably one of the biggest issues that I see with writing is that, you know, new writers tend to focus so much on either the physical or the emotional that they forget the other aspect as well. And so what I tell people is imagine that you yourself are in that situation. What are your physical and your emotional reactions to it? And not just one or the other. Yeah. I probably well, took you know, that on a way, way long tangent there, but <laughs> I, I like to talk. So <laughs> no, that is okay. So uh, you know, I think we hit everything there. You know, pulling it all out. Um, you, no, just <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, just like you were saying, though, that uh, that we miss some of these things a lot of times with our character development, like when we're in the middle of writing you know, the first draft or even the second draft um, and coming back to it and editing and making sure that we're pulling out um, a full character you know mm -hmm. that, uh, that we are talking about you know more than just one type of feeling or one type of action that's going on you know that you're hitting all the hitting all the spots on that yeah. so that's a really good point um, to bring up with it um, what uh, so, you know, we've talked about the limited perspective and talked about, of course, there's tension in, in action that's going on that has a natural tension built into it. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, with dialogue, um, you know, a lot of authors have a difficult time writing dialogue that's believable, but then adding tension to that dialogue. Um, mm -hmm. What are some ways that, uh, or, or, some, or some places that they could go to find uh, how to do this better? The first thing that I would do is have them watch some action movies and pay attention to the dialogue in the action movies. Let's say you've got a bomb and it's about to go off. Your characters are not, oh, would you mind handing me that screwdriver over there? I realize that if I loosen this wire, perhaps I can get the bomb. You know, No, it's mm -hmm. like, screwdriver now. You know, the dialogue is quick. It's to the point. They aren't you know, my honey sweet lamby chops, would you hand me the screwdriver? <laughs> it's, it's, the message is being put across quickly. And that is something that I really encourage authors to look at. You can have your longer bits of dialogue in your downtime, but if you're in the middle of an action scene, everything needs to be abbreviated. Mm -hmm. You can take this too far the wrong way, though, and be too choppy. So you need to make sure that you're still including enough detail and so forth so that the reader can still see what's going on. But don't pontificate. Don't go on for hours and hours about it. I really think that watching movies and TV shows is a great way to learn about dialogue. And just well, it is. You know, it, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's really good at delivering that you know, and, and putting it together and, and the witty dialogue and the back and forth between people. And, mm -hmm. And you know, you would never ever honestly have a real conversation like that. You know, no one's ever yeah. <laughs> on top of, to be that, but to deliver the lines that are back and forth like that really just plays so well. Yeah. Uh, so. Well, we know that dialogue in books isn't supposed to sound 100% real anyway. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, it would just be a, a right mess. Cause well, yeah, you know, I was in a, in a writing class a number of years ago in college and uh, had just taken a, really, honestly, it was a word-for-word um, fight that I had with somebody and and everyone was like, well, that's totally unbelievable. It never could happen that way. So. Yeah. <laughs> you want to create you want to create the illusion of believability mm -hmm. without it actually being 100% realistic because otherwise well, seriously, you look at it, it would be nothing but ums and uhs. Oh, and yeah. 
and you know what I mean, and it, there would be no way to actually read a real, a real conversation. You've got to make it sound realistic without actually being 100% realistic. Um, let's talk a little bit about the dialogue, uh, you know, because we've talked about it with with action, and and most people when they think of action, they think about like action type movies and physical stuff mm -hmm. going on. But let's move it into the romance side, mm -hmm. and let's talk about you know ratcheting up that tension through dialogue and romance. Like, how would how is that different? Like, what is it the same? Just short chop chop stuff, or or how are we adding tension to it? A lot of your attention in dialogue with romance will actually come between the dialogue. It'll come in um, in the character's actions between the times that they're speaking. Are they looking down at the ground? Are they <clears throat> are they you know hemming and hawing? Are they fiddling with their silverware? Because in a romantic situation, they're doing a lot of thinking. Mm -hmm. They want to say just the right thing. They want to put themselves out there in the best possible light. And so if you're having a romantic conversation, a lot of it will be what isn't said. If you're having a fun bantering conversation, those are my favorite kind to write. <laughs> just the quick, witty, you know, back and forth kind of teasing, you'll actually have a lot less narrative in between. It'll be mostly dialogue. You know, he says, she says, he laughs and responds this way. But you keep that moving more quickly by taking out some of the, the physical action. You keep enough of it in there so you know where, what they're doing. And, you know, so you can keep track of who said what. But in a romantic conversation, focus on body language a lot of the time. You know, he says, I need to talk to you. And she folds her arms. Mm -hmm. Oh, she's protecting herself. She doesn't know what he's about to say. Mm -hmm. Is he breaking up with her? You know, so she's going to fold her arms just to kind of give herself a barrier. And then he kind of looks down at the table and, you know, maybe he clears his throat and takes a sip of water. And this shows us that what he's about to say is difficult for him to say. And so she's protecting herself because she can't read what he's doing. And this, too, brings out the tension because we don't know where he's going with this. And then when he finally blurts it out, you know, will you marry me? Then we've had this great buildup, but we're seeing his hesitance and her self-protection. Mm -hmm. And it just builds and builds. And that is a way that you can put across a whole conversation without even really very many words. Because, you know, when it comes to relationships, and maybe I'm being a little too stereotypical here, but guys don't tend to go on and on and on mm -hmm. about, from the moment I first saw you, the sun shining through your golden tresses, you know. And so romantic dialogue from a guy's point of view is going to be a little bit more difficult to write, and so a lot of it will be his physical demeanor. Mm-hmm. So, you can tell I like using weird voices. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, no problems at all. So, that's cool. You know, that uh, um, that's an excellent, though, comment on uh, on using um, what's not being said in between the lines, you know, to add mm -hmm. that add that tension. Um, can you believe we're already almost out of time here? And oh, wow. Okay. Goes, I know. <laughs> the, the 30 minutes goes by so quickly. Um, so, we want to wrap things up today. Um, 
with, uh, with some final thoughts here, you know, on mystery and tension. Um, what, uh, what's the one takeaway um, that, uh, that an author could go right now with their manuscript and start working on this? What would you tell them to do? Wow, let's see. So much comes to mind. <laughs> um, have them look for... Have them look at it as though they were their own reader. And highlight to themselves, if they were reading this, where would they want to be a little bit more mystified? Where do they feel that maybe this clue's a little bit too in your face or whatever? Um, tell them to maybe put it on the shelf for a couple of days and come back to it with fresh eyes because sometimes things that we thought we explained really well, when we come back and look at it again, we realize that we didn't. But um, also be willing to do a bunch of rearranging if that's what it needs to be. Sometimes we get a little bit too married to how we've written it out in the first place and we realize that we have to do some switching around of elements in order to make them all work. Mm -hmm. But um, no, and you do have to be willing to do that. You know, um, anything yeah. that's anything that's worth doing is worth doing it the right way. Mm -hmm. And if it takes that extra time, then exactly. it'll absolutely be worth it. And then so. as a yeah, and then as a final thought, I would say make sure that you are feeling the the tension and the conflict while you're writing it, because if you're not feeling a little tense and a little ugh, then your reader's not going to either. You know, they say no tears in the writer, no tears in the reader. It's the same uh -huh. thing. You should have a stomach ache by the time you come through that scene, or else you haven't written it quite right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Um, okay, Tristy, uh, Trifecta Books, if uh, people are interested, um, where do they find you? How do they submit? Um, and what are you they, can, they can come to trifectabooks.com. I am looking for clean young adults in just about any genre, from contemporary, sci-fi, um, fantasy. I'm also looking for short, sweet, and clean romance novellas of 40,000 words. Just fun, uplifting, romantic stories. Emphasis on the sweet and clean. <laughs> that is what we are all about. Well, excellent. Uh, Tristy, thank you so much for being on the show today. Uh, it was a real pleasure having you here. Well, I appreciate you having me on. I hope that your co-host gets to feeling better soon. I just hope so, too. You know, that was a mystery for us today. You know, build that tension, bring people back to see what you think. Will so. he be back? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I wish him well today as, uh, as well. You should, uh, we're going to shoot again in a couple of days, and so he said he should be back. But uh, um, I am Clark Chamberlain, and uh, you've been listening to the Book Editor Show. Uh, thank you again to Tristy Pinkston. Uh, you can go to tristypinkston.com, uh, and uh, she is the owner of Trifecta Books, and we will see you next week. Thank you for listening and come back next week for more. Please visit thebookeditorshow.com for show notes, links to guests, books and extras and for information on how to be a guest on the show.